Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back everybody. Thank you guys for joining us once again as we dive further into the spooky season. That's right. This is another spooky game episode. Well, kind of. I got some weird ones <laughs> to talk about, honestly. Uh, but this is going to be the final installment for October spooky season. So get ready because uh, uh, this is actually a pretty good celebration, I guess you could say. I mean, Fight Night at Freddy's movie just came out. Watch that. That was interesting. So I'll talk about that one as well. And I did start watching the Winnie the Pooh movie. And I turned it off after about 20 minutes, but we can talk about that one too later on. <laughs> about what I expected. It's not good. <laughs> it's really, really not that good. But we got some weird trippy games for you guys. I mean, continuing on the trend of what we've been doing this entire month. Anyway, uh, well, we might as well just jump right in because we got quite a few to go over. So would you like to go first, Chris, and deliver us to the spooky season before I rip us out of it and give you guys some weird games? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the first, well, I'll start off with something that's not really spooky, but it, it's kind of like cutely macabre, like, it's kind of hard to describe, but this game, like, I remember seeing it during, I forgot what uh, event, it might have been Summer Game Fest, and it caught my eye because the art style, uh, it's all hand-drawn, and the game is called Birth, and hmm. uh, it's made by one person. I, from what I understand, uh, Madison Carr, and it's basically like a a simple kind of puzzle game. Uh, basically, you are in a new city and you are lonely, and you decide you want to make a friend by collecting spare bones and organs that you find around the downtown by hmm. doing puzzles. And, uh, you know, if, if you didn't see how this game looked like art wise, you'd be like, oh man, this must be like a really disgusting looking game. But it's like, to me, it reminds me of like, oh, this is kind of like a, a coffee shop look. Like it's very like, I can't think of the color palette of this game, but it's very like kind of muted, um, Ah, I just love the art style of this game, but mm -hmm. the puzzles are really simple. You know, there's nothing where you're going to be sitting at it, staring at it. Like, what do I do? Like, it's very simple, quick little puzzles. And at the end, like you can really get deep in your customization of a little organ friend, but uh, the characters are cute. You know, everyone has like this kind of, <sighs> I don't, they kind of have the skull of like a bird, but they also mm -hmm. have ears like they're like a mouse. So it's kind of weird to describe how they look. They all have hollowed out eyes like it. The characters would definitely look creepier if this was like any other kind of art style, basically. Yeah, it's a it's weird. It's yeah. its own thing, right? Like, Because it, it almost feels like um, they're going with its g generic animal shape. Right. Mm -hmm. Or like almost like rats, like a rat skull without any definition. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. Yeah. But this game was short. It was about a little over an hour, uh, but it was just really nice. There was a night I couldn't really sleep. So I played this and I was like, this just felt nice. Like nothing scary compared to some of the other games I've been playing. Uh, nothing that stressed me out. So. It was a it was a good little start to the week, but um, you know, other than that, everything else I've been kind of playing is a little bit more darker. Uh, one that I've played a little bit of so far, but not a whole lot, is a uh, World of Horror, and mm. uh, I feel like this that was just, that just came out on the Switch too, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, I I feel like it was out for a little bit like early access and then it just um got a 1.0 release about a week ago a little over a week ago and for those that don't know it's you know like a junji ito art style uh with like a apple II 
monochrome look to it, right? You know, your very strong black and white. There are filters on there, so they can kind of be like, you know, lavender, or there's like a Game Boy filter um, in case you don't like the hard contrast of the black and white. Me, I personally love the black and white look. I have always loved that early Apple II look uh, in the game. And honestly, even just because it reminds me of looking at a manga, right? Like, this game is so goddamn cool looking. Like, it really looks like I'm reading, like, freaking Uzumaki, right? Or any of his work. And the game is very interesting because it's very different than what I thought it was going to be. Um, when I had first heard about this game and looked at it, I was like, oh, this is just a nice, simple, like, you know, point and click adventure with like dialogue choices and stuff. But mm-hmm. once I started playing it, it was totally different than that. Uh, for the most part, it's a roguelite, or I guess it is a roguelite, but you have different chapters and each one's a different story. And you like the one I was working on, you are trying to find a way to get to the old God. Right. So it's very like Lovecraftian. You have your cosmic horror mixed in with just honestly, all different kinds of horror. There's like body horror in there. There's little mix of everything, but very so Edo stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really feels like Edo and Lovecraft combined. and. It's interesting. The the combat's turn-based and you have like a little wheel or like a, a square where you can pick like defense, skills, attack, and like kind of like magic stuff. So like Pokemon. Yeah. It it really feels kind of simple like that. And you have like a bar where you can fill it up with different actions and stuff. And the game's actually really cool. Like, once I realized it was gonna be like that, I was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can do this." Especially once they started introducing like cards into it, I'm like, "Oh, I don't know." Like, it seemed <laughs> like there'd be too many systems involved. But right. I feel like by the point you kind of, when you get to that like spot in the game, it just all kind of blends and works together. Mm-hmm. Um, at times I did feel like the screen was a little too busy eventually with everything, but I also liked that because it added to the chaos of the game. And it's a good point. Yeah. The music was nice, right? It, it, it fits the era of the look and yeah, this game is just in my opinion, like I really like it because it being a roguelite really adds to those kind of like short novel kind of stories. And you can, well, there's like an actual like risk now into the gameplay. Right. And that kind of adds to the tension, I would say. Yeah. And there's options where like, if you don't want to like perma die, uh, in battle, cause there's, there's like a friendly mode where it's like, I think if you die, I think you get, you either start back like in the room before, if I remember right, or there's the option where it's like, oh, if you die in battle, like you have to start over. Mm-hmm. But okay. so when you, when you like, so the second option, right, you have to get the, the keys for see the old God, which means you have to fight like, I think four or five bosses before that. And Mm -hmm. you can stop off at home in between all that. And the more you rest, the more your doom goes up, which means that the game's going to basically be a little bit harder because it's kind of on a time limit with that. But it's honestly didn't seem too penalizing with time. But Mm. this game did get difficult at times. Like, I constantly felt like I was like underpowered because I always ended up like really crappy weapons and I'm like, damn, I'm not doing much damage, but they're like hitting me. Like basically Mm -hmm. I lucked out with like, you know, the invisible dice rolls with like, Oh, am I going to be able to block this with my percentage chance? And most part it actually worked in my favor, but yeah, this game's it's crazy. Like I think the art style was all done by the developer too. Uh, which was uh, oh, that's cool. 
Pan Stasi. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, this game is honestly really cool. Like if anyone out there really likes roguelites and horror, I think this is something to really look into. But even if like someone just kind of wants a more of like a point and click adventure when it's not really a point and click, but you know, not like a spooky game where you're walking around. Like I think Mm -hmm. this game really fits the bill. Um, It, it has really deep stories and I will say like that it's really awesome. The attention, the detail in this game, and you can just feel the love that the developer put into this because it's just, it really feels like a love letter to that style. And I'm, right. I'm glad I played this game. Like I, I still want to play through the other stories and see how they go. But just from like the few hours I put into this, like I really like this game. I'm very surprised at like the resurgence of Junji Ito. Cause I feel like yeah. for the longest time he's been kind of this underground person. Or, like if you weren't Asian or into that kind of stuff or reading mangas, right? Like, you didn't really know about Junji Ito or like the obscure like horror movies or things mm-hmm. like that. But I think it, it, and it's amazing to hear how many people are actually talking about this game and how popular it's actually become, uh, especially with the release of it being on the Switch. Like that was a huge deal for them with this 1.0 release. But it has to be because of the Netflix show, right? Junji Ito's Maniac, the Japanese Tales of the Macabre. Have you seen that yet? No, I thought people didn't okay. like that. Was it good? I liked it. Yeah, I liked okay. it a lot. I thought it was great. I mean, of course, the ratings on it are like kind of mixed. They're in between six out of ten on IMDb, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I, I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It, um, they're short stories. They're a little weird. A couple of them did get kind of far where they didn't make sense anymore. But it mm. at least introduced people to his style. And I think it got them familiar with this idea and comfortable with this kind of horror. And that's helping boost the, I guess, the success of World of Horror, right? Like it just kind of fits and it just makes sense. And it's just perfect timing for this developer to put this out when, you know, Maniac is still kind of being talked about, especially with it being Halloween and everything like that. Like it just seems to fit a little better. So... I'm curious if they kind of like planned that or saw something or just random happen chance they got lucky that this show came out this year and now they have a game associated with it and pe- more people are familiar with the Junji Ito style, right? So, yeah, I've been curious about how he just kind of blew up out of nowhere because I remember like years ago being really into it because I feel like there weren't, I know there's a lot of like horror manga writers out there but i felt like his work was really the one that kind of stood out above the rest Mm -hmm. maybe because it is really far out there with some of them and it's not super gory like i feel like some of the other ones i looked at had a lot more gore in them which personally i don't mind but but you can see why masses wouldn't enjoy that yeah like i feel like ito's work is more relatable to like maybe a lot of like more esoteric like western horror in some mm-hmm. cases like more like a lynch if lynch did like actual horror i could see maybe something like that but yeah same style very like surreal kind of cerebral right like very yeah. interesting stuff and i, I think and, another thing that plays into that uh, why it's not a part of the west is i mean there are horror comic books too right like it's because people read manga out here but apparently i just found out about this we were watching the boule brothers like halfway to halloween special Mm -hmm. and uh they brought or kevin smith was on it and he brought up the fact that um horror comics have been around since the 1940s but the government has been trying to ban them for being uh, and claim that they were causing delinquency in youth right so Mm. they're not as popular out here so i think maybe that's why like the horror manga genre never really made it big out here. <clears throat> At least that, I could see that playing into it because, you know, they're in charge of imports and all that stuff too. So it, it, it's a very select few that would be able to actually get access to it until now with Netflix having their own show. 
Yeah, I I'm trying to think of like other horror manga. At least I'm I'm like I I mean I guess you can consider like uh, Satoshi Kon, right? Like Perfect Blue and stuff like that. But nothing like I don't know. I guess it's always something I wanted to get more into. But none of them have really been as big as Ido. But right, I think it's something I really need to just dive into. All right, so. One of the games that I want to talk about this week actually is a little spooky. Uh, it's just a very interesting kind of idea for a title. It's a little bit of an older one. It came out in 2017, uh, but it's Observer. So mm. if you've listened to our show, I'm sure we've brought up Blade Runner a lot, <laughs> just in casual conversation, especially on the Murder of Grey show, the other one that we do. I feel like we bring, keep bringing it up, especially when we were talking about... Um, AI and all that stuff, but Observer is basically Blade Runner the game as far as aesthetic goes. It's very, very similar when it comes to that. Uh, and this is more of a psychological horror game. Uh, it's set in 2084 in Krakow, Poland, uh, and it's mm. a very interesting setting, right? So you play as a detective. Uh, his name is Daniel Lazarski. And I thought that was a really interesting last name. So I did happen to look it up. And it is the name of a university in Poland. So Lazarski is apparently a university out there, a private one. So I found that kind of interesting. <clears throat> but he's a, a detective for the Observer's Police Unit. So that's where the name Observer's comes from. Uh, and he's able to actually hack into people's brain implants to get information out of them. And this is called, uh, the actual device that he uses is called a dream eater, right? So think hypno dream eater, <laughs> right? Like that kind of stuff from Pokemon. Mm. But uh, so it's a, it's a very interesting concept behind it. And what I find really fascinating about this title is the characters in it and the ones that you interact with and you kind of learn their backstory a little bit. And the world building in this game is pretty phenomenal. Uh, so micro machines have started to take over and people are augmenting themselves. Uh, it all started with medical conditions. So it was able it was ways to deal with, you know, like a heart murmur. Well, here, get this add on, get this, you know, this augmentation. And now your heart murmur goes away. And then it started getting into things that were just kind of making life easier, helping with random tasks or just pure aesthetics. And it kind of blew up and it created what they called the digital plague or the nanophage. Uh, and people started getting kind of sick from this. They would develop the common cold, think it was nothing and think they would be fine because they have all these augments. But the issue was, is that because augments were coming out so quickly and there was a pretty heavy class system there, right? When you think Blade Runner, there are the elites and then there are everyone else that's poor, right? So if you're not spending top dollar for your augments, you're getting them secondhand, whether it's being stolen from a dead body or scavenged or stolen from uh, the actual main company, which is called, I believe it was called Cy or yeah, Chiron. Um, so that to me, like kind of was a very fascinating way of putting and adding in class systems uh, for this title as well. But as the plague started to consume more and more people, people started to get more and more sick. Uh, because they weren't able to keep up with the upkeep, keep up with the upkeep, yeah, <laughs> of their actual augmentations, it led to some serious issues. Now, when you're playing through the game, you do meet up with some rather interesting characters. Like I said, like one of them is actually a war veteran that uh, basically died. He got, you know, he got really, really injured uh, and he had to get a bunch of augments. But the money from the government happened to run out. So now his augments are very old and outdated. And they actually lead to his ultimate death in the game, which I found very depressing and fascinating at the same time, right? But that's just a side story in this title. That's not even the main thing for this. The main story itself is actually quite fascinating because the detective it gets a random phone call from his son, Adam, uh, before and gets sent over to an abandoned apartment complex to then figure out why, does, why did this apartment complex go into lockdown? Uh, and it so happens that Adam is there. Uh, so he goes to look for him and ends up finding a string of uh, murdered individuals, uh, some signs of actual like lookout for it, basically a werewolf at one point, 
which was really trippy. Turns out that werewolf is someone that was overly augmented and kind of went a little insane because they couldn't keep up with uh, making sure the augments were, you know, up to date. They couldn't, you know, right? Like they started a malfunction in him because of the nanophage. So basically, uh, from what I can uh, figure out is that like the nanophage is basically your body rejecting these implants, just like they would reject a transplant organ. So your body's kind of like fighting this and it's slowly deteriorating the machines that are inside, right? Uh, and it goes into this whole crazy spiel or like crazy story where Adam actually is smuggling things from the company uh, Chiron in which you're basically funding the or who funds the police force, right? So your father's kind of like going through and trying to solve what's going on in this apartment, but at the same time trying to figure out how where his son actually is. And where he finds him is very, very interesting. I don't want to like go into crazy or too many crazy spoilers. I mean, it is an older game, uh, but it is definitely, I would say, worth checking out because it goes places that are very interesting. It is very sci-fi, uh, very bizarre, right? And it, it's it's very trippy. Uh, and actually, another uh, side character before I forget, because I thought this story was really interesting was that, um, I forgot what it's called, but there's a specific like kink, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, where you are you fall in love with inman inanimate objects. Uh, I forgot what that's called. Do you remember what that's called? Like it, it's, it, you know, cause like some people get like fall in love with buildings or things like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm trying yeah. to think what it is. I, I totally forgot what it was, but this guy, who lives in the apartment is actually in love with the apartment and you start as you're traversing the the like the scenes and all that stuff you'll see little shrines put up for the apartment complex objectophilia objectophilia that's what it is <laughs> it's a very interesting idea i've never seen it in games you barely hear about it in stories or movies but it is a very real thing uh, and eventually you do find this individual in the apartment complex, but he has basically fused himself to the walls and the wiring and killed himself in the process because he doesn't want to leave the building. He wants to stay inside the building, right? Like that's his whole thing. So it's just, you, there's a lot of that, right? There's a lot of really interesting psychological things going on with these individuals that are not part of the main story. And I think that's what's the most fascinating part about Observer itself. Uh, granted, also the aesthetic of it is amazing to look at. Uh, it has that same style. It's a very, uh, and once again, I don't remember the term for it, but when new technology is made to look old, it's very much that, right? Like, like I said, think Blade Runner. That was in the future, but all the tech looked like MDOS, right? Like it's it's a very interesting way of doing it, but it's a very it just kind of adds to their overall vibe of it and makes it more believable when this tech starts to malfunction and it just doesn't work exactly the way that they had anticipated. But yeah, it's a it's a really cool game. It was on sale on Switch recently as well for like fourteen bucks. Uh, if you get a chance to pick it up, I definitely would recommend it because it is really really great. Yeah, it's been like on my list of a game I've been wanting to check out. Um, I feel like I know Bloober Team has kind of had once they started doing horror, they became really successful, right? With mm -hmm. layers of fear and stuff. But Observer was always the one game of theirs that I was always probably most interested in because for me, that kind of sci-fi horror is always interesting because we don't we don't get a whole lot of it or at least a lot of it where it's kind of good. Right. Yeah. Like it's never story. done right. Yeah. And like, I would say cyberpunk is the closest that we've gotten to like something right. Yeah. And you know, a bluebird team, like I've always kind of heard not the controversy of them, but kind of their depictions of mental illness and stuff is not really like in the best way, at least with like layers mm -hmm. of fear and the medium. But I've always found yeah. their their ideas for things very interesting. But I'm very curious about, like, you know, what they're going to do with Silent Hill 2. Because especially after playing it recently, I'm like, 
there's a lot of psychological stuff in there that they got to tackle. And I'm wondering if they're changing it at all. Mm. I would hope not, but you never know. But I don't know. I I feel like I they was... turn it up to like 11, right? They They take these illnesses and they kind of over-exaggerate them mm-hmm. to make them more understandable, right? Or in... I could see where the the creative team is trying what they're trying to accomplish, right? Yeah. By over exaggerating, it makes it more understandable for people. Where if we did like if they had the character who had objectophilia in Observer, and they did that more nuanced and didn't have him putting shrines around the apartment, which are you know it's a little much, right? And then mm-hmm. eventually, like fusing himself to literally the concrete walls and the and the wiring and everything, and killing himself in the process. Like, I feel like it wouldn't hit the point or like the point wouldn't come across as strong as it did. Right. Right. So I feel like sometimes, you know, you got to hit people over the head with a hammer of your content if you want them to understand, especially if it's not really a main story aspect. Right. So maybe that's what they're trying to do is just make it so it's so much that it's more understandable for the masses instead of that nuanced effect. Right. Huh. Yeah, it, it, maybe, maybe, right? That's all speculative, of course. So we've never talked to these guys, but I, I'd be very curious to know what the creative process is with that. Because you see it happen in movies as well, right? Where they take a, a concept and take it to the like hundredth degree. Where it's like that's very extreme, right? I, people would not react that way in normal everyday life. But I now fully understand the worst possible outcome of this thing right like so it it does work and it has been used a lot in media across all sources in the past so maybe yeah i kind of want to go through some of their games because i never really played through the layers of fear games that much like i think i played a little bit of the first one and it's not like i didn't like it i just i don't know it didn't it's a good title. Right I want to play the medium. The medium keeps catching my eye, so. Yeah, it looks appealing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, All right, well, oh. I want to kind of take, or do you got a spooky one for us again? The next two I have are more, are more scary, I guess, in a sense. But if you have more. Uh, I have something very lighthearted. Oh, <laughs> Incredibly let's light-hearted. do that. Okay, let's let's uh let's set the pacing here. Let's go let's go back. Let's let's calm things down a little bit real fast. Um so recently Paramount released the new season of a show that I really enjoy. And that show is called Frasier. <laughs> so there's a new season of Frasier that's actually being released weekly, which I think is fantastic, right? Wow. If I, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy that they came up with a whole new thing for this. But Toss there out. is they, yeah, and scrambled eggs, bud. Yeah, <laughs> but now he's in Boston. He's no longer in Seattle. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> with that, I would started looking at other Frasier things, right? Because I just really enjoy the show itself. And I happened to stumble across a game that I was very, very <laughs> shocked by. Uh, so that game is called, I believe it's called Frasier Fantasy. Yeah, it's Frasier Fantasy. Um so it's basically Final Fantasy crossover with Frasier. That's, oh <laughs> yeah, it's an Ichio game, of course, right? So you can have it, well, it's like a 30, 40 minute experience. But yeah, it's called Frasier Fantasy. And in the opening title sequence, I love it. Uh, the, the, font, the font itself is in the Final Fantasy font, but it has the skyline of Seattle. (laughs) And then there happens to be an airship that goes across instead of the moon, right? So it's just just silly like that. It's just kind of a little ridiculous. But the ultimate concept of this title is to uh, actually have a dinner party. Uh, Frazier wants to throw a dinner party that night and he needs to gather a couple things. Uh, He needs to get his dad and Eddie out of the house. And for those of you who don't know, about Frasier, uh, you definitely need to educate yourselves a little bit. Sorry, just kidding. Uh, but he does not enjoy his dad or the dog Eddie because it kind of cramps his modern elitist style 
so to speak. Uh, but this game's great because it's done in a Game Boy Color style. So it's uh, it pays homage to the original Final Fantasy games, which is wonderful. Uh, and you just kind of go around and you're interacting. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, like callbacks to the show for people who know. And it's just it's a fun little experience there. But the combat itself was actually really funny, in my opinion. Um, so you have your basic attack and then like your magic and that kind of stuff. But it's obviously worded as something different because this is set in the world of Frasier. So your basic attack is called F-slap, right? And for at first, I just looked at him like, F-slap, what is that, right? So you click on F-slap, and it is actually a Freudian slap <laughs> in the face. So you Freudian slap people as your basic attack. Uh, your magic is actually therapy, uh, where you can either help them or give them advice, or you can <laughs> drone on, is what it says, uh, where you just kind of keep talking too much and you can put your people to sleep. <laughs> so that, that's it's really funny. Uh, I really did enjoy my experience with this because it just was a lot. And it was just kind of absurd, uh, a little goofy. I know this is more on the like the probably the treat side of trick or treat, you know, like just, just something kind of a little simple, lighthearted to kind of play through. But the final boss in Fraser Fantasy which I think is just all too fitting because I could totally see her as a Final Fantasy boss, is your ex-wife. So your, your ex-wife is there. Though. Yeah. And uh, so her HP is actually question marks across the board. You don't know how much HP she has. Uh, and all of her attacks do very little damage, but they are pricks at his ego, right? So it's just little stabs so it's just a bunch of little tiny stabs at Frasier until you get to zero HP and just eventually give up and she wins the argument, right? Because it's your ex-wife. And if you've seen the show, you know how cold-hearted this woman can actually be or how she's portrayed, at least. But yeah, no, I, I was trying to find like some other scary games or things like that. I stumbled across this one and I felt like this is still perfect for the season because it just silly right and a lot of things in halloween are just kind of goofy out there there's a lot of genre bending when it comes to costume development as well so i figured this is just a fun one especially if you need like an hour-long break from all these really intense horror movies or horror games that you guys are experiencing out there uh you might as well pick up fraser fantasy <laughs> it's on itch.io so you could play it right now it's fantastic it's so dumb <laughs> This is awesome. Like it, I, I never watched Frasier. Uh, that was more my brother's thing. Uh, I always thought it was, I mean, granted I was a kid. I thought it was too boring compared to Seinfeld. But mm. um, as I got older, I, I've i seen little clips. And I'm like, oh, I, I can kind of get why people like it. But this looks so well done for yeah. a show, you know? Like, I'm like, damn, like everything about this is like, it would be like, it's perfect for a fan, you know? And mm -hmm. I think it's cool that, you know, they're trying to get like physical copies done of this too, like, you know, just to make. And I'm like, it just looks so nice. <laughs> like, on a I box. I would play or... a whole game of it. And I, there's one little like Easter egg thing. And not really Easter egg. It's just kind of a, a nod to the show that I thought was hilarious. But mm -hmm. Niles, your brother, uh, you go up and you actually have to fight his wife because she took the grape scissors in the divorce. Uh, <laughs> but. In the entire show, you never see Maris. Like, she is just a character that is talked about, but you never actually see her. So when you fight her, she happens to be in one of those, um, oh, God, what's it called? The the dark tanks, right? The flotation tanks? Mm -hmm. uh, sensory deprivation tank. She happens to be in one of those, so you're fighting that. <laughs> so you still don't even see her. You're just fighting the tank. <laughs> and then she'll just ring a bell which she does in the show, and she gets like her butlers to hit you or throw things at you as you're trying to fight her. It's just really funny and comical, and just it, it, you could tell that this is made by a fan of the show, a hundred percent. I would play a whole game of this in a heartbeat. <laughs> they should just make games of like every old sitcom or show. Like that'd be great. I don't know, or like an RPG, right? Like, I don't know. Think about it. The Sims, but Seinfeld. People play the hell out of that. Hell yeah. 
So, I got definitely more on the trick side of trick or treat. <laughs> but, um, so I'll start it off with the, the smaller stuff, right? So, I've had my eye on this game for a while because uh, I love the style. But, uh, Faith, the Unholy Trinity mm. uh, is a game that it, it has a like a, the Atari 2600 look to it. Um, I know there was a lot of memes out there. I feel like a year ago or so um, about it because I mean it's not like we really see a whole lot of games with this art style everywhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it's made by uh, Air Dwarf Games, and I think during the third chapter, uh, New Blood helped publish it. Like basically made it like you know the. 1.0 release and uh this game's interesting uh i don't have any kind of nostalgia or love for the atari at all because that was before my time so <laughs> like at first the only re- reason i didn't want to play this game is because i just never got into that art style right the pixel art of the old days but this was awesome um it surprisingly works really well. And something that I think really pulled me in is once I saw the mocap in this game and the way they make, make mocap work in this generation of pixel art is kind of crazy. And honestly, it really adds to the kind of creep factor uh, a lot. Hmm. But uh, I would never guess there's mocap in this you should try and like check out like the mocap in this because it's like creepy, but it looks so cool. Like it's hard to imagine like with the old graphics like this. Oh, I don't know if you can call it graphics, but pixels, whatever. Yeah, it's graphic. It it's crazy looking. But um, you you play as a priest named John, who you know in the first chapter you're going out to do an exorcism and it's interesting because you get out of your car and you're like going through the woods and there's like this weird like chupacabra that basically will try and run up on you uh, on the screen you just hold up your cross and it scares it away but you know of course when you get to the house crap hits the fan and uh it gets really creepy really fast and surprisingly even with the old ass look to it it gets really creepy like i didn't expect it to be as dark as it got mm-hmm. but this game's damn good um i ended up thinking like wow i could really recommend this to people like who don't care about that old look to it mm-hmm. this game is worth playing like i think it's really well done and the lore is hidden behind like notes uh, basically, you like hold up your cross to like different objects, and usually like a note will drop. Interesting. And it'll tell you about the story, right? And there's a lot of cool twists and turns, so I don't want to say anything out there. But you know, like the second chapter, it's basically like a you kind of find out the whole premise of the game in that middle chapter, and it's really interesting and really dark the way it Mm. goes and uh it just gets darker and darker and it's interesting because i i guess the premise of it in the end or like as you get through it is that it's more so like you are trying to stop like a demon resurgence kind of thing Mm. and uh it's cool like there's a lot of secret bosses there's a lot of secret lore and you know Game theory is a big thing, right? And I know, you know, something we're going to talk about later uh, had a lot of it. And I think that's why it actually became famous, right? You know, you look at Five Nights at Freddy, you look at all of them, like game theory used to be huge. I don't, I feel like it's not really that big anymore as it used to be, right? Where people create like crazy narratives that weren't really explained. But even though this trying, yeah, this game has a lot of narrative, but people still try to build off of it, which is it's cool. You know, I would feel as a developer, I would feel so freaking honored that people are so right. into it. But you know, this game, I, 
I finished it in about five hours or so. So it's not super long, but it was honestly like the perfect length. And mm-hmm. this game's cool. Like, um, they said their inspiration came a lot from the satanic panic of the eighties, uh, which is when it takes place and you can feel it, right? Like it, in a way, like how stranger things kind of captured that a little bit, especially in the later season. Right. I felt like this kind of had that same vibe, but in a much darker tone where people were actually like, you know, this was an issue kind of thing. Right. Right. But yeah, like, I don't know anybody out there. Like just, just look at the mocap, like the, the crazy creepy villains in this game and how crazy they look. It's, it's fascinating. It looks super cool. I mean, Despite the simplistic graphics and the character walking around kind of reminds me of the E.T. game, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a little silly, but from what I can see right now, when it does get to like the cutscene things, that it, it's actually terrifying. I think the style really lends itself well to this really graphic, weird, bizarre experience. It's it's a lot to take in. Uh, it's it's actually very creepy. I don't know if I like. I, I want to check it out, but I also don't know if I'd be able to really play a lot of it because it's actually very terrifying looking. Uh, maybe the pacing helps with it being kind of the silly light graphics and then jumping into those cutscenes aren't like too long, right? Like, yeah, it those cutscenes aren't very long and there is some pretty good pacing between them. But there are times where you're like getting chased and, you know, it's like, yeah, you wouldn't expect it being kind of crazy because it's like, oh, you see everything on the screen, but they mm-hmm. move so damn fast that you're like, oh, shit, I got to move my character the other way and like hold up my cross. Oh, no, I didn't do it in time. Right. And it's like right. the boss battles are actually very creative, um, you know, but it's yeah, this it surprised me. I like I said, I. I love almost anything published by New Blood, and this was one mm-hmm. of the ones that I was just curious about because it looks so different. But um, right. this is an easy recommend. And uh, so this next game, I haven't had much time to play, but I do want to do a little shout out about it because mm-hmm. I was in the middle of playing until I got distracted by the next game I'll talk about. But um, <laughs> Slay the Princess is very very interesting um Uh, yeah i was looking at that one it's i guess it's visual novel style um basically you or you go into this cabin and you have to to basically slay the princess but she tries to talk you out of it and there's multiple choices that you can do and outcomes and i've like i said i've only played very little of it before getting pulled to something else and mm-hmm. but the little I've played of it so far, I I'm honestly very surprised about. Uh, I went into it not really expecting much, but this game is freaking cool. Like yeah. if it if the beginning has already kind of captured me, I can only imagine like once I get further into it how good it's gonna get. And it's got really good reviews, like I'm really surprised. I mean, even on Metacritic, it's got a pretty high score. Granted, these kind of games don't have really like enough scores to really push it on like a mainstream level. But right. for like an indie, it's like got really high scores. Even just it's overwhelmingly positive. Like, um, I'm definitely interested to get back into this game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks crazy. The artwork is really cool. Yeah, I like it. It's just like, it looks like sketch work, you know, but mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, but the game I got distracted about is Alan Wake 2. Uh, right. Just came out the other day, and I would say about a month ago, I had no really interest in Alan Wake as a franchise. Um, I kind of played it back in the day, didn't really vibe with it. Uh, then played Control and fell in love with that game. And I was always thinking to myself, oh, I should really go back and play Alan Wake. So last month, in one of, I think, the first episode, we started with the horror stuff. I spoke about beating the remaster. 
Mm-hmm. And I liked it, but I was on the fence of getting this game. And then I saw a couple videos on it and I was like, this, the way the media and this game looks and works between real people and graphics. I was like, I need to play this. Like mm. to me, I'm looking at more of like a technical standpoint of this game actually looks like a work of art in a lot of ways. Right. And I, I still feel that way after I'm six hours into it now. And this game is insane. Um, I'm not going to say it's like a perfect game, right? Like, I mean, hard to really find a perfect game, but the, the way this game will mix in real life characters and then almost instantaneously flash to like in graphics and stuff and the way it all blends together, it's crazy. Like in a lot of ways it does feel like twin peaks with like the dark, like the dark mind and stuff like that. I love that. You know, it it switches between two characters and it continues basically like right off of the first game. And there are moments where control is connected to it. And it's cool because when you play as Saga, which is the girl, because you're, you know, you're with the FBI, so you're doing detective work. It's cool because you you touch down uh, one of the buttons and it goes to um, the mind palace and it's basically like your little hub and granted if you're in the middle of a fight and you go to this you're still getting attacked in the other world so it's like the real world is still going while you're in this place but while you're in this place you have a wall where you can map out the cases and you know do match photographs like it's it feels like detective work and in that same room, you know, you do all your basic stuff. You do upgrades, any videos you collect, you can watch it there. And it's a cool little way of being like, oh, this is my hub of collectibles for the most part. And right. the the visuals in this game are crazy. Like I'm, I'm playing on a PS5, so it's not like I'm playing on like a super PC where I can see all the crazy like settings on it. But it still looks freaking good. And I'm playing on the fidelity mode. And... Yeah, it's not 60 frames, but because this game feels like a movie in a lot of ways, it just kind of works. And I would say like how Sony has tried to make cinematic games for a while now, right? Like most people, when they think about a Sony first party game, they're like, oh, it's a cinematic game, right? Think Last of Us, think God of War, Spider-Man, stuff like that. This game, I think, feels the closest to a cinematic game I've ever played. And it, in a lot of ways, this game does feel like a work of art and a way that I looked at like immortality, where Mm. it felt less of a game and more of like, oh, wow, this, this would be like pure cinema, like art. And this game, I think, does it so well. And, I know I'm, I think I'm still like, even though I'm six hours in, I feel like there's still a whole lot more left for me to see. So I don't, I feel like I'm not even halfway, but the amount of exploration and life that I feel in this game, it's like, wow, like it's actually creepy. Like with headphones, there's times you walk through the forest and you hear sounds in the background and the music like slowly ramps up and it's just Mm -hmm. like, you're like, Oh God, what's there? Like you don't see anything. You hear some voices and anyone that's afraid of the woods at night, like, Oh yeah, you'll get scared. Steven in the beginning, but it's, it's interesting. I, I really think that this really, for me, it definitely is one of probably my, one of my favorite AAA games of the year. I think like, in a lot of ways, like this is like basically at the tippy top so far, you know, maybe it'll change when I beat this, but this one is definitely high up there. Uh, and I wasn't expecting that because 
don't know. I mean, I, I went into this game with somewhat low expectations and I'm just like sitting here like, wow, like this, I keep getting hit with different twists and I'm like, oh my God, like I, I want to play more, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. Nah, I haven't played the Alan Wake games of now, like recently I've been really wanting to. Uh, mm-hmm. especially after I found out that like control is part of the universe, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I like the fact that there's different games that are connected that way. And I think that's really fascinating, but I didn't know that there was live action baked into this game as well. And they like mix between the two. That's really interesting. It's so well done. And I like that. Like, so when characters are kind of talking for the most part, like in their mind, mm-hmm. like in the background is like an overlay, like, quick cuts like of like their face is kind of in the background kind of like what control had gotcha and um yeah like there was a a scene where it's like one of the chapters where you're like oh it's like a like a talk show this was in the trailer so that's why i'm like oh it's not really a spoiler but Mm -hmm. he's like on a talk show and then after that it just cuts to the game and it's done so well where i'm like oh man like it yeah, the it's really surprising with what they're able to do and the whole like connection between the games like there's supposedly some people think that because they're remaking the first two Max Payne's that it might be connected to this at some point. Mm. I don't see how, but they'll probably just I would be like to. some weird like nods to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I love the Max Payne games, so that's why I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to see that mixed in with this. But yeah, I love that they're trying to interconnect their games, which mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's always a cool idea that you don't really see at all or done well, basically. Right. Well, real quick, I'll go over the last game that I wanted to bring up today, and then we'll talk about the movies a little bit there. Because uh, that goes back into this world of spooky. But, you know, what's more scary than a murder mystery, right? <laughs> so <laughs> this one threw me off because it's the fact that Sega actually put this game out. Uh, and in the trailer, they even said, like, we have finally listened to all of your comments. Yes, all of them. Uh, and they the game is called The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Where it's literally Sonic gets killed and you have to figure out you play as uh, Tails and you get to interact with all of the classic characters that you know and love from the franchise and figure out who killed Sonic the Hedgehog. The twist at the end makes it so it's like, oh, yeah, OK, it is a kid's game still. I can't forget that. Right. <laughs> but it is just a, a funny concept that they actually did this. I'm just I mean, it. The Sonic Sega with the Sonic franchise has done so many weird things in the past. This is just another like notch in their belt of, well, that was different. (laughs) No one really saw that coming. I mean, he became a werewolf and then with Shadow, they gave him a gun. Then he goes Super Saiyan, right? Like now we have a murder mystery point and click adventure of Sonic the Hedgehog. So if you want something super lighthearted for the Halloween season and this is, you know, a fun one. You get to solve a murder mystery on a train and play as the Sonic characters. So why not, right? Something light there. But I figure that's good enough for that game. That game doesn't really need like a lot to talk about. It's Sonic, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I actually watched the Five Nights at Freddy's movie today. And uh, whoa, it was it was really interesting. I. I I'm still having a hard time thinking if I enjoyed it or not. <laughs> it's one of those. And what was actually what kind of caught my attention the most was the fact that so my partner doesn't like video games, right? And she's never played Five Nights at Freddy's. The only reason why she knows the, some of the characters is because my niece and nephews love that game, which I don't think kids should be playing that game anyway, right? Because when you look at the background lore behind it, it's like, all right, this is not for kids, right? But the movie was pretty cool. It was a little light. And then I looked at the rating after the fact, and it's PG-13. So I did a little bit digging, and they kept it PG-13 because their audience for Five Nights at Freddy's is still very young. So they wanted people to be able to watch it that were fans of the games. Totally makes sense. But a rated R version of Five Nights would have been amazing. Like, I think that it really, really would have been a great movie uh, because they had 
the potential to have some really messed up things happen in here. And they had to shy away from it, right? They had to like cut away or not go as crazy or bizarre as they probably should have. So it's good. It's just, it's interesting, I would say the least. The the reviews on it aren't that great, but a lot of it comes back to the fact that it's PG-13. So it's not like a legit horror movie. I wouldn't really call it a horror movie. It's it's a kid's horror movie, right? Like that's what it is. So it it was very cool. I mean, the animatronics looked awesome and that was one of my partner's favorite things. She said the movie's not great, but those animatronics, like I love the characters and the design of it and how intricate they are. I'm like, all right, cool. So that's keeping you enthralled. Uh, that's good, I guess, right? Uh, the background story that they added for the characters is a little ridiculous as well, but it's a movie, right? Who doesn't uh, and, love Freddy Fazbear? Yeah, right. It's It was very interesting, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up this other movie really quickly. If you want like a hardcore, like messed up version of Five Nights at Freddy's, yes. watch, watch Willy's Wonderland. Came out in 2021. It's Nicolas Cage. And oh, it I've is, heard of this. It is 100% Five Nights at Freddy's without it actually being that movie. You're a janitor that goes into Willy's Wonderland. Uh, Nicolas Cage actually doesn't talk in the like the entire movie. I don't think he has any lines at all. Like, he's mute. But it's a great film. That that was Five Nights Done Right, where they just went all hose bar. They didn't hold back at all. They still made it kind of goofy comedy wise because it's, you know, it's mascots. It kind of has to be. But yeah, this is a great film. I, I oh, love it. on one. Tubi. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm watching this. Yeah, it's that one's fantastic. I mean, Five Nights right now, I think we watched it on Paramount Plus. So it is free there, which is uh, nice. Uh, Five Nights is Peacock. Peacock. That's what it is. Yeah, Peacock. That's where we watched it. So, yeah, we watched it for free, which is great because i wouldn't want to pay for that anyway uh, <laughs> and i don't want to go to a theater but uh yeah willie's wonderland is definitely worth it it's also on hulu i think that's where we watched it so mm. you got other options out there to check this one out because it's just hilarious where like the animatronics come to life and nicholas cage's reaction is get the fuck out of here and he just stabs it in the head with like a, a broomstick that he breaks right like no there's no background to what's going on. He just becomes a janitor and like he doesn't react the way you think he would. He just goes in and is like, all right, I'm killing you. Bye. <laughs> and it's wonderful. It's it's an amazing, amazing film. So definitely uh, check out Five Nights because it's it's cool. And it's, you know, part of the franchise expanding on the ultimate lore that Five Nights has you know, been wonderfully gifted by the fans themselves. Uh, and if it wasn't for that, I don't think this movie would even be out, right? Like, there's a lot of things that fans kind of expanded upon to make this thing what it is today. And Willy's Wonderland just kind of expanded on that and made it more adult. So if you want the adult version, watch that. Yeah, I heard the Five Nights of Freddy actually got a bunch of people that used to make YouTube videos about it, like kind of cast it in there, which is, I think that's a cool touch, you know? Yeah. Like, it's fun. I mean, I feel like you need to have like Markiplier like react to the movie while you're watching it to make it seem more realistic. But I think it'd be more enjoyable. There was a couple of yeah. things where I was like, wait, what's going on? Why are they just playing with the kid? Right. Like now they're good. Right. Like there is a couple of that where it's like, what's going on? So, yeah. But then I had to remind myself it's a kid's horror movie, not a horror horror movie. So. Willy's Wonderland is the fifth most searched action movie on streaming today, supposedly. Wow. It's probably because of Five Nights right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Five I remember seeing the trailer for this and I was like, this looks terrible. But now uh, that I think about it, I'm like, I need to see it. I love it. It's Nicolas so Cage. bad. It's good. It's one of those. It's uh, if you like movies like that, where they're just like so ridiculous and over the top, they're actually great. That's one of them. Uh, another film that I just watched recently, Nicolas Cage going on a tangent here that's so bad that it's actually just not good, <laughs> was Jiu-Jitsu. It's a horrible movie, but yeah, it's on <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> he fights aliens. It's weird. <laughs> All right. Well, I 
think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, and that's it for our spooky season as well. I mean, that obviously doesn't mean that we're going to stop playing horror games. It just means that we're going to stop featuring them and only talking about those kind of games or things for the season. So we'll talk to you guys next week with some more wonderful games out there because there is a wide net of games that we have been playing that we want to talk about that are not really fitting in the spooky season genre itself Uh, so get ready because there's been a lot of amazing releases out there that we want to sink our teeth into but yeah anyways until then bye for now